Hey, what's going on, guys? Phil here, and it is podcast 198. Today's guest is Anthony Scroggins, or as you guys know him a, a lot out there, uh, Shimmering Sword. He's the lead mech designer at Catalyst Game Labs. How you doing, man? Doing really good. Having a good day. Eating well. Just got some, uh, well, Battletech art done, what I'm always doing. Yeah, mech porn, you know. Oh, yeah. I think I think it's funny because so I've known you before I even knew your first name or even your last name or even what you look like, which funny enough, that is a funny story the first time we met. <laughs> and um, I've always known you as uh, Shimmering Sword and I followed your artwork. Um, I mean, there was pretty much two artists at the time, in my opinion, back in the day, and that was Flying Debris and your work. And mm-hmm. you were the predominant, I would say, uh, commission artist out there as well, especially once uh, PGI nabbed up Flying Debris. And funny enough, how I met you in real life was, uh, it was MechCon, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. first time. And and uh, we met at the hotel and there was a few of us and we're all hanging out and we're walking down the street and you're like standing right next to me and we've been talking and I'm like, yeah, dude, what, you know, like, who are you again? And you're like, dude, shimmy and i'm like oh my god i'm such a like i'm such a such an ass you're like you're like dude i was like oh my god it might be might be the first time that happened but not the last time for sure oh my god because like i know the voice as soon as like you said it i was like ah i don't even know why i didn't even i don't know Mm -hmm. it's it's a one-way uh street usually with streaming and, and stuff like that but uh i'm trying to i'm trying to think who else i've gotten that way like maybe no definitely brent evans so my my own art director, Brent Evans, got him with that. He didn't recognize my face. That was also at MechCon, uh, once we got into the event. Um, and then plenty of people at Gen Con a few years ago. Yeah. So don't well, feel bad about it. I, I don't. I it's it's one thing I've learned like being a streamer too in those type of events. I don't know how many people came up to me and said, Who am I? And I'm like how would I know? I've never heard yeah. your voice, or like, if I've only heard your voice, unless you like, dis- you have such a distinct voice, and I've played with you so many times, maybe. But I was like, and yeah, never. I never even tried to attempt that. But uh, anyways, man, th- thanks for being on the uh, podcast. Um, for those that are wondering, uh, subjects, we're gonna talk pretty general about BattleTech artwork, of course, because I've got an artist here. Um, also, uh, his involvement with the Kickstarter and ongoing involvement with the Kickstarter. And for those that don't know, that is the Catalyst Game Labs Kickstarter for the Clan Invasion box set, which, by the way, you can still back. And a lot of people don't realize that. If you go, if, hell, if you just Google uh, Clan uh, BattleTech Kickstarter, Clan, well, Catalyst Game Labs Kickstarter yeah, all that fun stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You can actually go to the Kickstarter and it says for late backers. So there's options there for you as well. I don't know if it's the full options, but I know there's quite a bit of slots left. And so you can get in on it uh, as well. Yeah, so. I think some good information there is, uh, for those in the know, There's it's a two-wave Kickstarter. So wave one, wave two. Uh, still haven't shipped wave one yet. Uh, of course, we got many things going on that cause delays. But if you're a late backer at this point, unfortunately, you won't be on wave one. Uh, you can get in on wave two, though. So there's you know pros and cons there. Uh, just want to make sure that's pretty clear because a lot of people have been, been confused. They go on as a late backer and then realize they can't pick what stuff they're going to buy gotcha. until wave two comes around. Yeah, that's, a, that's some good information. So before, I mean, obviously, we could talk. I think we should definitely 
and we we are going to talk about that let's take a step back because like me and you've talked i don't know how many hours of about <laughs> this subject and it, it'd be interesting again for being i guess like on the record but also just being out there in, in the the internet um you know your involvement how did you get involved with BattleTech? like what, what's your yeah, origin story was... Well, geez, pretty much my whole artistic origin story is Battletech. But uh, way back, early high school years, maybe even middle school years, you know, started to get into, you know, notice those MechWarrior games. What are those? So uh, MechWarrior 4 and Mech Commanders, really where I jumped in and worked my way backwards from there. But uh, fast forward a bit, and I'm drawing, pretty much that's all I'm drawing is Battletech stuff and put put my feelers out for i don't know if it was fasa or catalyst or who it was at the time but i reached out to randall and he seemed a bit busy um but years later i'm trying to i'd have to remember it's got to be like eight eight years ago now or something uh catalyst got in contact with me because like you said i was at the time one of those like lead fan art guys um and they reached out and started doing some work for Catalyst. So, yeah, that's where the the BattleTech career starts. But kind of my personal artistic interest in it goes so, a long way back. And how old were you when that when that started? The working at Catalyst? Or? No, 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 no. Just you getting into battle, like playing BattleTech MechWarrior. Mm, I I would have played. Oh. Maybe a really long time ago, I would have played a Mech Warrior Two demo, but I would have bought Mech Warrior Four. Pretty, I think, pretty close to when it came out. Um, was that very early two thousands? How, how old there? are you? I'm thirty one now. Okay. So okay, so yeah, you'd. <laughs> I'm I'm terrible at keeping track. Of no, 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 no. I was just gonna say. I mean, Mech Four came out around basically what two thousand, I think, it was yeah. around there or something, and Mech Commander did as well. Or two thousand one, maybe something like that. So yeah, you're 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 five years younger than me. So yeah, you would have been. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean yeah, you would have been thirteen, twelve, thirteen. I guess maybe yeah, somewhere that like. would make sense. I think yeah, yeah. Um, like maybe maybe a little later than that, but yeah. So you you were drawing fan art at that age. Were you already draw like Were you already getting into art and other like stuff? Or I think that's. Again, that's the first thing that really spurred me to draw more. Wow. Um, that's cool, man. Before that, it was video games and Lego. Yeah. <laughs> Lego was my jam. Dude, but, me uh, and you, like, we're so similar. Oh, my God, that's weird. I mean, except the art, because I sucked at it. But, like, yeah, Legos. Did you build a bunch of mechs? I know I... I, I oh, I yeah. Oh, yeah. Leveraged as much of my Lego as I could to make mechs when I got into mech warrior so no it really was mech warrior that got me to be an artist uh, yeah. before then doodles were just you know any kid doing doodles yeah yeah funny enough that's when uh, i started thinking you know this i didn't know it could be a career yet but that's when it started yeah i was gonna say funny enough so you have this introduction to a a universe and then that universe turns around and presents in later in life a career you know like mm -hmm. so that's yeah very very similar stories here that's uh that's that's pretty cool uh, and i didn't know that so um all right so you, you progress through that uh, do you have any formal 
education? Did you go to school for it? I did go to the Art Institute for almost two years for animation. Um, learned uh, some illustration and 3D skills there, but for the most part, I figured out, okay, I don't like drawing things over and over, and I don't like the animation stage of 3D either. So I was like, this school's really expensive. It's not that great. Um, the art institute I went to is now closed down. So <laughs> good thing. Good call. So I dropped out of that and just self-taught myself from there. So um, other than the 3D software skills, I'd like really, it's, it's self-taught. And that's kind of what I tell people is you really don't need school to be an artist these days. Yeah. Unless it's some really technical stuff like 3D modeling can be pretty helpful to get some training. Yeah. Well, I, I, and funny enough, I was, uh, me and you were talking recently and you were actually working, uh, on 3d models when we were talking and you shared your screen and I was like, Oh no shit. I didn't know you, you, you were proficient at doing 3d modeling too. And mm -hmm. lo and behold, yes, you are. And I'm like, all right, well, just that makes sense. Um, how does that translate over by the way, of being an artist in the 2d world? Do you think, I, I mean, I think it does. Um, it sounds a bit traditionalist at sometimes, but that whole saying of like, learn your fundamentals and it'll help with other things. Uh, as far as in 3D, a big deficiency you see is someone learns 3D modeling and that's great, but now they want to model something. Um, and sometimes it's a little boring to model somebody else's design, so you want to do your own. And that's where you need to be a good designer. Uh, and a lot of people fall into the pitfall of designing in 3D, uh, which in some cases works. But usually you want to take in some sort of pre-sketch um, at minimum. So being a good you know, 2D artist is going to help you make better 3D models. Uh, at least that's my belief. Yeah, I mean, it's a, definitely a reference piece of artwork as well. Um, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense. So you go to school, it's not really obviously working, you don't like the illustrate. What the it's funny because you mentioned illustration like animation. Were they doing like where you had to like hand draw the same character like over in different poses? Because like nowadays <laughs> so, there's new tech, right? Like, right, it's Eventually all 3D. You get into that. Um, they they teach you a bit of 3D, a bit of 2D. They're already pushing you towards 3D, which I think is a smart decision. But eventually you would specialize your own choice and take uh, elective classes for that. So I could have learned uh, hand-drawn 2D. I could have learned like flash style 2D or 3D. Um, and I definitely saw the, the technical value of the 3D classes. So I focused on those while I was there. And yeah. then uh, just more illustrative 2D classes like painting and Photoshop, stuff like that. Yeah, because I mean, I, I see a few like, especially animes, um, uh, there's one that's on Netflix that like the mechs that they use are definitely 3D in the scenes, but then everything else is 2D. But I know that a lot, they're using programs nowadays. Uh, I know Toon Boom mm -hmm. is one. I, I don't know what the big studios use, but um, you know, I, I don't think they're doing the same hand-drawn uh, like the right. old school stuff. I, I think all that's gone the wayside, I think. Yeah, it's it's definitely much more economical to have 3D emulate your 2D for you at this point. Um, personally, uh, you can tell the difference. I really love when a studio pulls off 2, 2D stuff. 
but it it makes sense you know everybody loves uh love death and robots that the rancher one is awesome yeah well i mean a good example me and you've talked about is like if you look at the original mech commander right mm -hmm. that still holds well i think i mean considering it's 20 years old and yep. the the it wasn't even pixel art at the time that's not a, like it's it was just old it was an old game but yet aesthetically it blew the you know mech commander 2 out of the water mech commander 2 was mm -hmm. the first like intro into 3d and it looked oh my god you know what's funny about <laughs> mech commander 2 when people are like oh it wasn't that bad i'm like go look at halo halo and mech commander 2 came out the exact same year but yet yeah. that's the difference you know and yeah so um, yeah, it's really interesting. I I believe the Mech Commander sprites were they pre three D rendered them because yes. real time would be too hard. But yeah, it's a really smart process, and yeah, it just holds up so yeah. well even today. Yeah, I because of uh, our current project with uh, MechWarrior Five and, and modding Mech Commander, and uh, I talked about that a little bit um, on the podcast with uh, Alex uh, Garden. But I had, we had initially tried to recreate Mech Commander because you can actually pull a lot of the information out of Mech Commander as far as the pack files. A lot of people have made tools over the years. It's just, and what they did is they, yeah, they basically created a scene, I guess, back then. I don't know what programs, but they created it. So the 3D model, and then they rotated it uh, with 32 directions, right? And they would take a snapshot basically every, but then you got to think that's, if the mech is standing still, that means the legs, 30 actually i think it's like 16 because you could technically flip the legs you can inverse right because uh, mm -hmm. the legs are the yeah. same but like the torsos and arms if you have any asymmetry blah, blah blah anyways and then well every single animation you have so if walking is 16 uh you know frames well 16 times th i mean it's just it's astronomical the amount of yep it's yep. insane so like when we were going down that rabbit hole anyways but yeah um i i love the aesthetic so out of the older games, did you have a favorite? Did you latch on? Because for me, it was Mech Commander, I think. Yeah, I played Mech Commander quite a bit. Then definitely uh, Mech Warrior 4 Mercenaries. That that campaign got a lot of playthroughs. Um, yeah, stuck with me quite a while until, you know, after Mech 4 Mercs, it's kind of, it all went away. Yeah. Um, then I was kind of a Halo guy for a long time. Yeah. I was going to say, did you play online with Mech 4 at all? Yep. Um, you know, on the old DSL connections. Oh, uh, you had DSL. <laughs> oh. from, well, that's the thing is, at least those older games with you know less data uh, to transmit, like lag wasn't too bad playing yeah. in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, whereas other games got pretty bad. But yeah, definitely played Mech 4, Mercs, Vengeance online quite a bit yeah and i was gonna say did you play three at all uh i didn't play three online but i played three through the campaign okay. yeah i never got around to playing the expansions for two or three gotcha yeah the uh the reason i was asking is because the latency issues in three we used to call it like um lag dancing because it'd be like two steps forward one back two back one step uh, forward. i mean just all that and then you started, it was at that weird point where I was still like on dial up and it was at the weird point where DSL was starting to get into people's homes. And so you'd be like 
missing this guy. And you'd be like, where the hell is his hitbox? And then you realize, oh, I only have to point and click and it's hitting him. And uh, those guys <laughs> are at a severe disadvantage. But yeah, I didn't notice any issues. I think in Mech 4, it wasn't as, you know, and we had the MSN zone and all that. I definitely took advantage in Mech 4 if I knew I was lagging. Uh, <laughs> capture the flag game i would just jump in a light mech and they couldn't stop me from stealing their flag yeah but, like the osiris and all that yeah i remember yeah yeah so um all right i mean so yeah i mean like i said very familiar i mean um you know let's talk about artwork and mm -hmm. as you've progressed and one of the things we've talked about too a lot of the times is the current the line artwork that was everything was based off of and it's funny because you that's what inspired you right was the old mm -hmm. line artwork and the games that you were playing and obviously scenes from like mech commander and mech 4 and mech 4 was different aesthetically than some of the line art work from an artist like point of view i mean what's that been like as far as seeing the progression and being obviously a part of like a huge resurgence resurgence and update on battletech Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it imparts something jumping in around that. Like even Mech Commander had, for the most part, pretty good redesigns as well. So seeing those that era of video games where they were, they knew that they needed to depart from the old line art a bit um, to get you know a good product out there. And you know, at that age, I wasn't bothered by the line art, and I think you know. It really helps you understand where people are coming from that have, you know, been into the game for a long time. You can respect that they they like the old art, but um, as I kind of got out of art school and getting into more serious art, I was like, yeah, it's it's fun to take these older designs and give them a new coat of paint. Um, it kind of, you know, made that a big part of my commission artwork model is. Um, I still get the occasional Battletech fan that wanted me to stay as faithful as I could to the line art, but for the most part, it was you know, hey, you know, take my favorite mech and make it look cool, and you know, yeah. even you and Darren jumped in on that, and that was yeah, fun working with you guys, and yeah. it's pretty cool now seeing all those mechs with very little editing are now official Battletech designs, right? Yeah, um, I mean, but but think about this. Like one thing that we have talked about, which is the line art was done. And again, I don't know the names, and if they ever hear this, isn't a bash on you or whatever. But the interesting thing is what's happened because of the line art. It's like we fixated on these designs from an aesthetic point of view, um, and that it has to still hold true, right? And it's sort of like, well, the atlas has to look like an atlas, right? And it's like, well, what does that even mean, too? It's because, like, there wasn't, there wasn't as many descriptors in the novels and stuff, but it was like these artists had just free reign to pretty much just create whatever. Like, that's what it seems like, is, like, the artwork was just sort of, I want to say random, but it was, like, I guess whatever mm -hmm. they were feeling like, because, man, some of the originals are so bad. Like, <laughs> so bad. I think it's... Every, every era of Battletech has its own form of trailblazing. So back then... Like outside of Japanese anime, there really wasn't mecha. Like there's not much to reference. Um, especially, you know, after the initial, you know, designs that were reused from anime, it's very much like they had to make their own stuff and uh they'd already figured out, okay, Battletech should have its own look and there's there's nothing to go by. 
Um, so in a way, like I think my job's not not as hard because like I have some uh, you have reference point yeah, to go yeah. from yeah. yeah. Um, whereas my focus is like improving on that reference point, but like I'll be honest, sometimes when I'm asked to design a completely fresh mech, like that can be a struggle. Um, and there wasn't the the market either. Uh, like today, I I pay the bills entirely drawing mechs. Like it's an awesome job to have. But back then, you didn't have Western mecha specialist artists, so these guys had to go from drawing spaceships and guys in spacesuits and your typical sci-fi yeah. to like okay how do i make cool mechs so yeah. yes it's a lot of it is pretty bad but i think it's understandable where those guys were coming from yeah and i guess we can give them on that and pl plus two is like what is what does it mean establishing the artistic or in this case artistic feel an artistic look of a mm -hmm. universe that has been established i mean we you'd have like what the a lot of the the novel covers and a lot of the books but even some of those were updated so like some of the books that i thought that was the original covers oh no they were they were the you know redesigned ones so so obviously with you were doing commissions for BattleTech, um, but you're also uh, establishing your own sort of aesthetic with the mechs but you also did your own project as well and you know like what for me what that was as well was seeing what it means to create a world or in this case a universe of like BattleTech, and me and you've talked about that is like you know has any game really encapsulated the aesthetic and you know what it means to either be in a mech or you know the uh realities of a the implications of like a mech design on you know what looks cool but what about function over form and stuff like that and uh the one thing about your artwork that I appreciated was especially when you did uh your it's protectorate wars correct that's yeah. what that was the practice right yeah and um was creating this universe because like it was like hey oh okay it's not just it's there's so many details that you had to go into and I remember reading all the emails and all the updates and stuff like that and it made me appreciate I guess the uh fact of like what Battletech is trying to do in this reinvigoration of like bringing new blood in and getting rid of, or not, I shouldn't say getting rid of, but like updating. Um, Cause like, if you were to try to bring people in nowadays with that type of like line art and stuff, people would be like, really? Like, <laughs> yep. you know, like kids would be like, dude, dad, come on. No. Yeah. It's uh, definitely, like you said, it's fun exercise when I was building up my own setting and, uh, even that's something that I couldn't do myself. You know, like I hired a writer to help me write the setting because, you know, I'm good at doing the, the soldiers and the mechs and, you know, all the tech and how it should look. But, you know, there's, there's so much depth to putting a setting together. Um, I'm sure you saw, like, take plenty of my Battletech influence into my own setting. You know, it's uh, all human, no aliens, uh, mechs going around fighting each other, though there's, they're definitely not the hero of the, the story in my setting, but, and more of like, okay, you know, it's, it's mine, I can do whatever I want with it, let's just cram more genre types of mechs in there, the more styles of mechs, and 
so it's fun, but yeah, you quickly have people asking about the consistencies and what does this mean? What does that mean? Uh, and it's fun, but it's tough. And I could tell if the further you go into a setting, when you get into the kind of depth that Battletech has, it's insane uh, to yeah. kind of keep track of everything. Yeah. And I mean, so when it comes to like Battletech, did, how did you establish your your aesthetic like was that just a natural i mean because when i see when i see the uh mechs coming out from the kickstarter i i recognize you. it's it's right there i like i know it's like oh yep yeah. yeah. like that's that's shimmy so how did that yeah, come about that's definitely been a long process like definitely going in a, a pretty like consistent direction the whole time but and that goes way back to probably when I did the the Marauder redesign, which is I think that's like eight years ago at this point. Um, and just trying to it's it's a big mishmash of like, all right, let's try to identify from the original designs like what was good about it, uh, what and what is when people look at it, what do they think is the critical part of it that makes it recognizable? You know, what parts don't they care about? And then trying to mix in essentially, you know, that kind of video game look, more angles, a little more industrial design. Um, and then even just like rolling in, okay, what is, what's other sci-fi settings doing these days? What are the trends? Um, you know, what are the, what are the new kids like? And I don't know, just trying to, trying to make it feel a little more cool and like say modern day as opposed to, you know, just trying to shove the old artwork in somebody's face and say, you know, this is how it is, because you know, people aren't just going to accept that anymore. Um, I don't know. It's you know, it's always hard to describe how something came to be, but definitely know where we're at now and uh, trying to really, really settle Battletech into a new aesthetic that, you know, new people love and that the old fans can still enjoy as well, because definitely a huge goal is like let's try to not alienate our fan base when we do this yeah so let me ask you and again i don't know if you can like answer it but why didn't you go with more of just like what pgi was already doing like why not yeah have a consistent you know thing across the board what was there a was that just a legal thing? Was that a, I mean, what, what was, what was the decision making? I think it's multi, multifaceted. Um, because for sure Catalyst and PGI has talked. Like I don't have all of the info there, but they've talked. Uh, you know, getting along would be in everyone's favor design-wise, because time saved, like just the way that Hairbrain was able to put out their Battletech game with the PGI models, like definitely cut way down on dev time and is immediately recognizable all the MWO players can just jump right over and say, hey, like that's those are the mechs I like. Let me go hunt down those mechs. And it's not jarring them again. Because definitely every every mech warrior player that now comes over to Battletech tabletop, uh, you know, before the last few years, it's very jarring when they whoa, yeah. this is this is what the mechs look like. Um but it's it's part legal, it's financial, like when you start sharing designs, you get question of like, okay, so who do do we profit share? Who gets what? 
And even before Piranha and Hairbrained was in the picture, there's so many, so many hands in the pot. So um, you kind of get to a point where if everybody needs to get paid, nobody gets paid because yeah. there's there needs to be a reasonable price point on our products. Um, and then, yeah, it's, you know, lawyers are expensive. Just even if everyone's in agreement, a lawyer still has to sign it off for you. And that that alone is expensive. Like, it's honestly, part of it is just cheaper to redesign yeah. the mech again than to <laughs> have, yeah. you know, Tops, Catalyst, Piranha Games, Microsoft, like, and all of their lawyers sign off on something. So it's kind of more, everybody likes, you know, wants to get along, but it's just very complicated. It's yeah. a big old mess. Yeah. Speaking of uh, <laughs> games, do you remember MechWarrior Tactics? You remember yep. the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you comment? Do you Terrible. want to comment on that? Atrocious from day one. I don't know what they were thinking. Mm. Um, I think... There's there will always be accusations thrown around of does a particular developer or development house really care about BattleTech? And I won't place a certain judgment on the heads of MechWarrior Tactics, but there's definitely a problem where their artists were not BattleTech people. You could really tell that the I guess the word would be desecrated. They just <laughs> didn't know what parts of a mech needed to be respected. Yeah. And also at the same time, like they knew how to design mechs kind of, but you could tell they weren't like career mech designers, which again is a very new thing. Um, when I was in high school, that was a joke. Like, hey, yeah. you know, what if I get to design robots for a living? And we would all just laugh like, no, that's not possible. But now it really is possible. Guys like me and Alex and Marco, like we design robots for a living and it's it's really cool. Yeah, I think, and I don't know this for sure, this is totally speculation, but I have a feeling that's why when HPS came into the picture, one, we ended up with it. And plus it made sense probably from a business, but I think it was a, because, you know, PGI had to sign off on a sub-license for that HPS mm -hmm. tactics, right? And then obviously it flopped, uh, right? Um, and but I think there were it was also IGP at the time, so it was a weird time, right? Oh, but yeah. like the art consistency, I can definitely understand and appreciate. And even that all being said, like we did see different art designs. I mean, you mentioned it yourself, Mech Commander was different than Mech Four, and but it it wasn't like this such a huge leap, right? Like you could still say, oh yeah, there's the Timberwolf, right? Like you mm -hmm. knew, right? It wasn't that big of a, a drastic, but um, the same thing is now happening with your artwork that's coming and is now official out there, which is um, it's it's not, you can see inspiration, but anytime I see a piece of artwork, especially with the Kickstarter updates um, that I've been um, trying to tweet out and get um, uh, more attention to, because I think they're fantastic. Um, Thank you is uh you're just your aesthetic that you've set and i don't know another way of just sort of saying it but it's this when i see your designs i'm like yep that's you know and i don't know what that is um let me ask you i'm gonna ask you a very specific question and this may be a little bit why did you go with the double knee joint on the timberwolf the the joint off to the side thing. yeah you because um, mwo went away with it and then yeah i think you know it's kind of a thing where stuff like that, 
um, like sometimes we'll push things out towards something different. Uh, but for sure, whenever a mech does have uh, a unique element like that, even if it's not on the original, like if, say, Mech Warrior at some point did it, um, I'm always looking out for items that are not the norm. So, yeah, a side side knee thing is always a good detail to look out for. Um, at one point, at a management level, it was even said, like, hey, let's try and make more of the clan mechs like that as a way to differentiate them from the inner sphere. And I it's like, a good idea, but let's not change things just to change things. Gotcha. But definitely, like, I think both ways of setting up the Timberwolf knees look fine i think it just looks a hair more interesting with the the side knee looks joint more aggressive i i like your yeah. design like i'm not a big fan of mwo's timby and the timberwolf is my baby so i've got to be so damn picky with it but it's like mm -hmm. it's it's um it's very blocky in mwo and uh it's very how do i say this um it's fat. It's it's a chunker, right? Yep. I mean, and I and I mean that like if you look at like the to me the Timberwolf and a lot of mechs like the Timberwolf, they always had this predatory sort of look to them, right? That can pounce, right? This, right? You know, and in MWO and um and even Mech Five with designs like you don't you you lose that. And to me, one of the things that always made the Timberwolf was that sort of sleek, agile. Okay, yeah, you know, and you know from the Mech Three intro right you know that all those things it's just and so mm -hmm. i appreciate it. that's why i was asking you that i think it's a good call that you went to it uh, as well and i mean i think we've talked about like animations and stuff like that as well and yeah um you know like what I is think, it i think the mech were online timberwolf is also a bit of a victim of maybe the that particular period in design and and the models like you could tell later on with the clan mechs they got a lot more comfortable probably with their optimizing of the game. Like, okay, we can push poly counts. We can do curved stuff more. Uh, we can do more sleek. I think the Timberwolf being one of those, you know, first wave of clan mechs just got a little too too many blocky bits. And and then you can always tell a lot of a lot of times, you know, Alex will do a, a great design and then just in the translation to model it something changes or it gets chunkier it'll be it for gameplay or animation i think yeah there's certain mechs you got to look out for to nail right and they just they just missed it on the timberwolf yeah um i think they similarly missed slightly with the direwolf those are two just big guys you got to get right um and you know it's really easy in a production pipeline for you know just to miss something and yeah. and it's locked in you're stuck with it yeah. Well, you're a player too. Like you were, you were in aces with me and you played competitively as well. Uh, and a lot of people may not know that. Um, so not only are you an artist, um, you probably, that's probably gotta be a weird, like, are, are you over the top? Like, do you critique stuff quite a bit? Like, is that something you have to turn off or you can't turn off? Like, um, I can, I can definitely sit back and just enjoy, uh, media. I think particularly these days with film you have to yeah um video games uh i mean honestly after mechware online i haven't gamed as much but i was definitely able to settle like i really enjoyed my time with mechware online like had its flaws but 
it delivered something that MechWarrior hadn't done before, which is a, a more robust online experience. Um, but you know, a lot of games have come from transitioning that era of lobbies to now matchmaking and yeah. how to make a good matchmaking experience. So like, yeah, I enjoyed it. There's definitely mechs like the Timberwolf and a few others where like, ooh, you know, I feel they could have done a little better. But on the whole, like I, I really like the the work Alex did on those designs and uh, I think most of the time they got translated pretty good to 3D. Yeah, I mean, and what about designs too? This is something I was just talking about on stream, which is like the uh, the Vapor Eagle Gossok. Like you read about them all the time in the novels, and we've never seen them in game. Um, and so for right. me, that like I had no previous like like this is what it's got to look like. So for me at least, it was well I'd seen the artwork, you know, but it the line art I should say. But for me, it was definitely one of those like oh okay yeah that that works and and I thought. To me, it looked like something you'd see almost in Pacific Rim. If you, it almost, right. to, to be honest, like some of the newer clan ones too, almost felt alien comparatively. And I, that's mm -hmm. not a bad thing. I felt like that's actually uh, something that I wish HBS and PGI would have done, which is there should have been flavors. Like if the mechs were from the Draconis combine, you know, you would, they would be, you know what I'm saying? Like there would be a flair mm -hmm. that would be different. I, I just sort of feel like, and um, we didn't quite get that as well, but the, the Vapor Eagle, it, it does, it feels alien, the Arctic Cheetah. And a lot of the original clan art were, were already updated, right? I mean, comparatively line art was already updated compared, you know, compared to the IS ones as well. So. Yeah, that's, that's a, always an interesting thing is the, that, Today, playing Battletech, even video games, there's we're using designs that are 35 years old, and we're using designs that are five years old. And it's all mixed together, and some have been redesigned, some have not. Just all these different sources. Yeah, like you talk about the Vapor Eagle, it definitely looks different. But then like part of it is we're just used to picking and choosing or used to what's been presented us like you know, honestly, Mech 2 through Mech 4, they kind of just kept reusing the same mechs yeah. over and over again, yeah. uh, which is, again, great for development, but it it's kind of Mechware Online first game to, outside of mods, like, deliver so many mechs. Yeah. And you start getting into these areas that people have never seen before. Um, so it's interesting. I always thought, I thought the Phoenix Hawk was an interesting one because to me, it just looks like Master Chief with that head. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. it's a cool, it's a cool looking mech. In fact, I, I think the Mechware Online Phoenix Hawk is probably better than my one for, for tabletop. But yeah, just interesting stuff like that. So you mentioned uh, maybe not the elephant in the room, but uh, obviously the, I know we can't get in details about Harmony Gold and all that, but at least what we can say is, the unseen are no longer unseen. So, yeah, you know, let's talk At about least, the Marauder uh, and those. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point where, again, like I can't really speak on all the legalities. I don't know what happened inside those doors, but for sure the heat is off, which has been great because, like, our this last round was very clearly yeah. just straight IP trolling, not not even fighting over their original designs anymore because we've moved past that and now it's just very vindictive from them so it's good to see the outcomes that happen there um 
But yeah, it's just the fact that we can now, you know, it's more like not sweating about merely using the names of certain mechs and just going in. We're still redesigning them because we can do better yeah. uh, than, you know, 35 plus years ago. Was, was there any pressure on that as far as like like thinking well what is the archer what is the marauder rifleman you know like did did that take a little bit longer because of you know the iconic nature of them well i think you know marauder warhammer archer rifleman i'd already tackled them outside of the official realm and personally i was a lot more willing to you know stray out it was definitely a goal even though it's fan art it's like okay let's try and make something that is legally in the clear and it turns out catalyst agreed that they were in the clear uh, obviously harmony gold didn't <laughs> but um some change more than others like uh you know, i think my my archer is a pretty big departure uh maybe less so on mechs like the rifleman or the warhammer um and then of course my i guess my original marauder didn't go official that's now i redesigned that um i think we pushed it a little on that one but yeah it's it's interesting i don't think things take longer because of legal concerns it's more that we wanted to do a really good job on those decks yeah. so we spent extra time going back and forth on nitpicks and refinements there so yeah those early early days when we were you know years before the game of armored combat box came out uh definitely some mechs would take just weeks to get through design deliberations yeah i was gonna say so uh shimmy here did a piece way back in the day uh, when he's talking about uh, the moonscape piece i still i have it right over here uh because we got our um uh, posters and i got um uh, we sent you one correct i think right did we send you one no i don't know i still okay. don't have one of my own i've i've definitely printed and sold many so you have them up on <laughs> yeah you ha someone could get but the moonscape is um it's um, absolutely is amazing like it has the dropship in the background it has the you know four mechs that we're talking on a thunderbolt coming off the dropship and it just mm -hmm. like uh, I, as soon as I got them, um, I got metal frames and glass and I sent one to Darren, which would, that was a ordeal. Like I had to go to a custom like shipping agency and stuff like that. And anyways, it was, it was I didn't realize that would have been, <laughs> anyways, but, um, man, that was a long time ago too. That was, I think, oh yeah, that had to have been like seven. Yeah. Something like that. Seven, almost eight years. Yeah. That was, it was a while. So, um, Oh man, I could just, I'm just looking at that image. Um, definitely cool. And speaking of, I mean, cool too, is like, you know, obviously we've got the MWO, we got mech five now, uh, HBS, you know, I'm bummed, man. I'm not going to lie. Cause like, I think, uh, I think what the mod scene has done and what they did with the DLC packs and stuff like this. And I don't know if you've played the game much, but like just the sense of the battle tech universe, um, that game did a really good job. And right now with the mod scene too, it's just like where, okay, you know, and I felt like with them moving on, um, you know, we're going to sort of miss out on potentially, you know, a future project that could have just even brought that even closer to home. 
Yeah, it's definitely, I gave the campaign a playthrough, did did some free play, especially once all the DLC came in so I could see the new mechs and play all the flashpoints and stuff like that. It's definitely, I mean, it makes me wish we, we the next game we get is a mech commander. Like, I would we're working on that. it. Love yep. that look in real time. Right? So, yeah, we're working on that. Uh, we've got a small team, and I actually was just talking to Alex Garden, um, from PGI on the the podcast about that, which was because at the very end, he was like, so how's that going? I'm like, you know, we've got two, because like there's two different, uh, I think, ways we can go about it, which is the true like RTS, what you're used to, right? Point click. Then you got AI controlling everything. And then the second direction, and we have to play test this, is you take control of a mech, but it's in that top-down isometric view. And then you issue mech commander like orders, or you can flip between mechs and stuff like that too. And mm-hmm. um, I just feel like, man, just like just run around as like a a mech and just you know, I love the MechWarrior two lasers. I want them to come back. Me personally, I think aesthetically they look amazing, you know. And from a gameplay, it's really cool. I, I just, anyways, it's just one of those things where we're again. Uh, I'm surprised. PGI has because like Alex was like yeah I know it'd be really good I know it'd be a lot of people are interested and I'm like well if you know it why aren't you making it but whatever <laughs> I mean we'll make it I mean that's cool mm-hmm. um but yeah I don't know that's we're gonna we're gonna we're trying we're working hard I'll give you an update we're BattleTech's definitely having its renaissance right now but at the same time we're patient people you know that that time between MechWarrior 4 and MechWarrior Online is like, other than the Mech, uh, Mech Assault games and the MechWarrior Dark Age tabletop, like that was a, yeah. was a long, dark time for Battletech. So I think well, people need to keep that perspective in mind is like, yeah, we got all this great stuff now, like maybe waiting a little longer for the next release isn't as bad as what some franchises become as being yeah. milked out by their publishers. But, you know, like also we had the card game, we had the clicks game. Did you ever play the clicks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it got, from what I understood, it had a pretty competitive environment and then it just sort of just disappeared. And um, I mean, obviously I think this is a great segue right into the tabletop. I mean, you're involved with Catalyst. Uh, you work for them. Obviously, the Kickstarter is going on. Um, let's talk tabletop because, like, I love BattleTech, but I don't have many friends that play it around me, right? And so, like, mm-hmm. there, there's, like, I feel like that's one of the hurdles, like, getting more people involved with it. And one of the things that came out back in Geez, what was it, 2012 when we had the launch party in San Francisco where we did NGMG Con, um, where we had the tabletop people showed up and we had Alpha Strike rules. And I felt mm-hmm. like Alpha Strike was a good, like the idea that like, hey, you can do individual like battles, smaller stuff, but then you can also do big scale and it's not going to take literally days, right? Like that's, yep. a lot of people don't, well, one, you just don't have the time. Let alone, you know, do you have, does someone have the patience and you know this or that, and do you have a table big enough for that many? Like, like yeah, bigger, bigger, bigger battles, and it's like, well, you know. But anyways, uh, 
let's the tabletop as far as like the resurgence how has that been for you how have you seen it is that is that just more of like why do you think that's happening is it because of the artwork and the the updates is it because of you know uh, new materials going out um is it just hey getting a new facelift and uh, people are coming back who maybe have just sort of like wandered away like what what do you think that is i think like yeah i <laughs> i try to not end up tooting my horn a lot because art is definitely a thing but battletech's a thing where everything has to come together for it to work and that part of that long period of struggle for the franchise is kind of nothing was coming together for a while um tabletop like our box set ran out and we couldn't reproduce it and even our rule books went out of print and all our supplements were out of print like you couldn't find anything um i didn't know that as a yeah as a new player you couldn't about the only thing you might have been able to get was the core rule book for several years and even that could be hard to come by Uh, so that's why you know getting our new intro boxes out was a huge thing but we also were in a mad scramble just to get rule books and supplements out Um, so getting yeah getting total warfare purchasable uh, making sure that you can find Alpha Strike if you want to play Alpha Strike, but then, okay, what TROs do people buy? Because so many of the TROs for a new player are 20-plus-year-old products, and it it looks sketchy to them to buy such an old product. So we had to get TRO Succession Wars out, now TRO Clan Invasion out, and um, I guess now they just put out TRO Jihad. And, but okay, that's nice. Well, now what about all our optional rules? So we had to get all of our advanced rules and advanced construction books, like all of it had to be redone. So that's why you saw the, there's that retro line uh, of book covers and for all of our rule books, which people are like, oh, why are you putting all that old retro art on it? Which like, we just need to get stuff out because <laughs> none of it's in print. Um, so absolutely. You know, I think a lot of it is we did need new art. And probably my favorite thing to hear, and I hear it quite a bit, is uh, not just new players that were on the sidelines. They knew Battletech existed, but they kept seeing the art, and that kind of put them off. Like, all those people are jumping in now. Um, Now all of the video game players that wanted to transition over to tabletop now they're willing to play because, like we said, it's very jarring going from these brand new fresh designs to 30-year-old designs. And then there's just a lot of old Battletech players that stopped playing because they see the new art, uh, they can get nice minis, they're more affordable, everything's available. Um, local gamer groups are coming back together. So my Portland Battletech group's always been pretty healthy, uh, but like I think they're like fifty to a hundred percent larger groups playing now, so we we'll have like sometimes eight guys show up to play uh, one night. So it's I think it's a big team effort because obviously, as cool as the art is and as fun as it is to work on that, we need writers and layout people and 
people doing the non-mech artwork, like everything matters and it had to come together. And it's not until these last few years that it's just like finally getting there and it's just, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Speaking of like the universe and everything coming together too, um, what about the novels? You know, like, uh, did you read any of the novels? Were you so I, when I was younger, I knew about the novels existing, but it definitely did not exist in New Zealand. Um, even during peak MechWarrior Dark Age clicks times, like even that was uh, very hard to find and almost nobody playing it. Um, but once I moved to the US, that was when all the Dark Age novels were happening. So I did buy those and read those. Uh, so that's pretty much all my novel reading experience is probably the the first third to half or so of those MechWarrior Dark Age novels that came out. Gosh, so you got like the, yeah, see, I, I've read like all of the up until the Dark Ages. I've read a few of those. Um, everything changed, right? I mean, like uh, the mm-hmm. entire universe changed for us all of our favorite characters were either dead or like 90 100 years old you know so (laughs) like yeah so yeah it's it's tough because right you're a company that's been you've created this universe you're updating the aesthetic right uh you've got this huge store all these novels all these tiros all this previous games and stuff like that and you're trying to attract a new user base or, you know, uh, not even bring users back, which I think that's valid too. But like the idea is like, how do we get new blood in? And I don't think it's bad to say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but like, yeah, artwork matters. And especially mm-hmm. in today when all the artwork looks amazing, you know, like I remember picking up my first novel in the bookstore when I was 12 because of the artwork. And it just so happened it was uh, the second Blood of Kerensky uh, novel, and it had a Timberwolf jump jetting out of the ocean on the cliff. Oh, it was basically a, a, a ambush against uh, Victor Steiner, uh, and then Kyle or Liao comes in and saves him. Anyways, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big nerd. That's that's all I did. <laughs> that's all I did. Like, I, but um, the the artwork was something I'd never seen before like here's these robots oh they're not robots they're machines and there's people piloting them like holy crap um i feel like there's something really cool there and and i feel like it's the idea that like you have got these elite not only just mech pilots but then you've got aerospace and you've got tech it's the perfect analogy is it's game of thrones in the future in space right and Mm -hmm. instead of armored forces you've got mechs right i mean that's really that's you know i don't know what came first i think battletech's been around longer than game of thrones i don't know (laughs) that for certain i'm just saying he he stole some ideas Um, yeah do you um good Good seeing the the new novels starting to come around again for sure yeah do you have any like favorite favorite mech are you even allowed to say that are you are you allowed to have one i think i get asked that all the time um Let's get it over with. What's your favorite? Movie? I feel like most people, it's just, it's hard to go wrong with a Timberwolf. Um, but I'm definitely the type that has my, my favorites have been diluted out because my job is now to, 
make give every mech the favorite treatment you know try to make it look as good as possible so yeah it's more looking back like okay which which mechs am i proud of for pulling out of the trash yeah <laughs> gotcha well um speaking of mechs uh dimensions we were talking about scale recently um it was after uh a mod came out for mech 5 and you mean you were talking about it and you shared that you guys have a pretty in-depth like i didn't think this is much of an important from a tabletop and especially minis but you guys are taking it pretty freaking serious actually i would say more serious than probably a, a, a game studio is doing uh that's creating mm -hmm. it but i mean you you're you're taking that to heart as far as like that a uh heavy or or an assault or a you know that the scale imbalance that we have in like Mech 5 up until Navid's um, uh, rescale, can you sort of go through the process? Like, why is that important to you? And why do you think it's important to the fans? Yeah, I think like anybody that's looked at the the old Battletech miniatures and even recently they've got better, but it can still be a problem is uh, just mechs that look way out of scale. Like, I think... One of the big ones is like, isn't the the adder light mech and the direwolf 100 tons like three times the size, and they're visually about the same size, <laughs> and it's a huge issue. Um, and again, it's been curtailed a bit, but what we're finding, just putting together the game of armored combat set, just nine mechs, we quickly saw okay, if if you're off by just one millimeter you can see. And if we're, we're rounding the size of our miniatures to one millimeter, you really, ideally, you only have one correct height and everything else is wrong. And the fact that uh, many miniatures before just not even close to that one millimeter margin said we need to put together a system. So for, for the first two box sets, it was just uh, eyeballing it. Uh, we put them all beside each other in 3D and just got them as close as we could. And that's tough because it's just nine mechs. Um, a lot of them are the same tonnage, like the Catapult, Thunderbolt, similar tonnage. And we have the Griffin, Wolverine, Shadowhawk, same tonnage. So we weren't able to make a gradient of size. Um, but going into this Kickstarter, um, some of the guys... Uh, the Iron Wind modeling crew had put in some preliminary efforts on how to scale things better. Um, and then one of my modelers, Dale Ida, he's, uh, I think, Hardware Studios is his group. Maybe not. I might have that wrong. Um, he, he went and made a Google document spreadsheet that does math. So it takes uh, the tonnage of the mech, and we worked out a predicted volume. There's also a predicted height, but what we mostly go by is a volume. Um, and so now we run things, things have to look right while falling within a margin of error for volume. Uh, Cause that kind of pushes us in the right direction. Cause you know, MechWarrior online and Mech5 struggles with that same issue. Like what do you do with a grasshopper or a black knight? Um, where they just get super tall if you go strictly by volume. Um, and I don't know their exact methods 
but essentially you can't you can't just go by rules you have to do a lot by feel and you also have to have a big sample size so this kickstarter is going to bring us to over 100 mechs so that's finally a good sample size uh, at this point we have one mech in every weight class or more um, so it's just over time we're getting more and more accurate yeah. and now it's quite a breeze to get the scale right on a mech but yeah you have to put so much work into it you can't just give it a quick look and lock it in you're pretty much guaranteed to be wrong um so i i sympathize with the struggles at pgi um they they would essentially have to rescale their mechs quite often as they add more until they finally hit a good granular state for accuracy yeah i mean i can see the the issues at the very beginning when you had like four mechs but then as you go along yeah if you don't have that nailed down um yeah so obviously you guys coming in with over 100 mechs um can we talk about like uh, we just talked about scale but what about like proportions and artwork and stuff like one of the issues i've had in like even like mech 4 like, why is the Fafner shooting? It's like it's shooting Volkswagen Beetles. You remember the Sarna article about that? It's like giant yeah. pancakes. Like, these are like 200 millimeter rounds, not Volkswagen Beetles, guys. Like, can we talk about scale and your feelings on that? And um, as far as the new artwork? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely went into it personally with the fact that a lot of weapons look okay, even if they're not realistic, but some, like you say, the AC-20s, uh, heavy Gauss rifles, like they just have ridiculously huge diameters going on. And while some of it can be explained away, it's just, is ridiculous. So I, I went in with my heels dug in that I was going to not have the giant AC-20 barrels to the point where you just cannot fit the ammunition into the mech. Um, of course, we can't solve the ammunition volume issue, but we can alleviate it a lot, be less ridiculous. So, yeah, we got AC-20s, you know, less diameter, um, trying to get, you know, all of our lasers a lot more conformed and also conforming, like, what length of barrel something should have. So, like, an AC-20 should have a pretty big diameter, but it doesn't necessarily need to have a really long barrel. Uh, because we know it's a really short-range weapon, whereas once we get into that like AC-10, AC-5 range, like we want long barrels. Um, and something I had to push for is like shrinking down the size of Gauss rifle barrels because you know those things at the velocity they're shooting at, you don't need a big slug. And if we go by today's weapons, like a long penetrator is better than a big fat slug getting in, you know, pushed back by the air. So uh, there's at least one case where it's like, hey, is that Gauss rifle barrel a little small? And I did some quick, rough scale math and then even rounded it down in the favor of that critique and said, hey, like the, the Gauss rifle on the Ebon Jaguar or uh, and I said, just so you know, it's the size of uh, a battleship cannon. <laughs> it's huge. The, that's 
that is an enormous goss slug that'll destroy anything that'll take yeah. a drop ship down <laughs> with one yeah. shot so it's and of course logic can kill the fun so i don't yeah. push too hard on that yeah. but it's a good defense sometimes to tone yeah. down the re- ridiculousness so that's also sort of the the magic of it right like you're talking about one you're talking about a sci-fi universe set in the future with materials that we don't have currently and uh i mean from the max and muscle and power sources and all that right we don't have any of that um but i feel like scale and you know when you when you talk about volume right you always get in this argument with a bunch of like battle tech nerds it's like well density the mechs would actually float because they have so much volume anyways you you know what i'm saying me and you've talked about it a lot Mm -hmm. and it's it's one of those where you have to at least a little bit push reality out but also we have real world things and and this is a discussion topic and uh that i I brought to you one of the issues i have with all and this is all mech warrior games where you're in a mech and you're piloting i feel like one of the biggest issues and in this case let's use mech warrior online and mech 5 for example the issues i have is that gameplay uh wasn't established and then the mechs were designed around them right it's the mechs were designed in aesthetics and then the gameplay was designed right and and i feel like the problem with that is is like you know like in mwo uh or mech 5 then you're dealing with a low slung hard point it's like well one you'd never design anything like that right but we're and that's also sort of a drawback too to some extent of you want the atlas to look like the atlas but like how do you conform it in a way where it still holds true but then doesn't have these built-in negatives whereas the one freedom i would say that you guys have is that you can still conform to the original sort of reference material upgrading it but it's a tabletop so it doesn't matter as much there's no rules in the tabletop saying well you've got a low slung on your waist ac20 versus it's up on your shoulder right i mean i know me and you've talked about this this one in in length as well so yeah yeah it's definitely video games have just all that interactive depth makes a lot of cool things just not work anymore and like yeah high slung weapon mechs they they do look cool but it gets boring when everything has to be the same all the time so that's why mech commander works right or like yeah right yeah i really appreciate the freedom we get as a tabletop game of like so much more can just be rule of cool yeah yeah i mean aesthetics i mean again i think this entire podcast is pretty much just a we just need mech commander i don't i think we should just wrap it up no <laughs> but yeah um let you drink there got that yep. hard h2o uh, i see I see he can't see me by the way guys for those that are wondering he can't see me i've got him on video but i'm broadcasting directly to obs so he's just staring yep. at a like nothing <laughs> staring at myself actually right? it's, it's all right i can see you that's all that matters and they can see you um all right so let's talk about uh the kickstarter what has that experience been like because holy shit 24 hours man it like it was a huge success oh yeah yeah i think didn't i, I believe we funded in seven hours or it was, something? It was yeah but with like fantastic. oh yeah you funded within like seven hours but like it was ridiculous and mm-hmm. it caught me by surprise not that you succeeded 
but that you guys kept adding shit. Like I was yeah. like, when is it going to stop? Like he was like, we're like, are they still going to make money? Like that's where I was concerned about it was like, Hey, you know, like, this is cool. But like, and powers of B, I guess it, it was, they were right. But I was like, geez, man, that was, yeah. it was cool. It was crazy. It was cool. Would probably have been uh, quite a bit more conservative on those goals uh, <laughs> if I was in control. Of course, I'm here with as an artist with my art team, and we're just staring at like, oh no, that's a lot of work. <laughs> but right. at the end of the day, you know, it's it's what people want. It's what yeah. the company wants. We'll we'll hunker down and get the job done. Just feel like guys, next time, let's make it a little easier. <laughs> more. I think they might agree now, uh, but we need we need dropships with interiors and all that stuff more. <laughs> oh, we've yeah. we've talked about that interior, yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, it's it's a lot of work. But you know, I just laid it out with management, like, hey, uh, we're gonna we're gonna work here. We don't know how long this is gonna take, but we'll just go at it till it's done. Um, and try to keep people happy along the way. You know, everybody's you know, the fan base has been very patient so far. I feel like the the only like disgruntled people I see is simply there's so many backers for such a small company to manage that just uh, like customer support is really hard for Catalyst to keep up with. So that's why you get all those people like, hey, I'm not getting replied to with my emails. And yeah, that's definitely something we need to work on. But like, <laughs> Think of, like, I don't, I don't even know if Catalyst has a customer support employee yeah. <laughs> per se. So um, I think everyone's been pretty gracious and understanding. Like, I don't see anybody, nobody's been mad about the delays that are happening. You know, aside from yeah. your default conspiracy theorists that, you know, they think it's a scam from the very start and those sure. you I, just get to ignore I, those people i live yeah. for that stuff though i, I love oh, yeah. salt <laughs> yeah no They're just the the wacky conspiracy theory stories yeah. keep up on them and, but and for those no, that may just... not know you guys do have delays they have been keeping us up to date on the kickstarter obviously with mm -hmm. uh the covid and the whole yeah. entire world and uh... hold on we're breaking up there can you hear me yeah, I can hear you. All right, go ahead. Um, yeah, it's sorry, I lost my train of thought. Well. Uh, COVID delays, stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. We've got all that going on. So you guys have been pretty awesome about keeping us up to date on that. But um, yeah, I mean, the Kickstarter was hugely successful. And I know we were like trying to, I mean, just, it was like, We'd send out a tweet. You guys would send out an email like, oh, we just hit this goal. And then it was like, all right, what's it? And by the end, uh, the the last goal, it's like, are we going to get there? Are we going to get there? And of course, yeah, we definitely got there. And um, I definitely had to select Clan Wolf uh, for all of my my stuff. I did, I did the $50. Like, dude, there were people, I'm just saying like, there's some passionate people out there. Let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yes, passionate yeah, people. Yeah, the the amount of money going in is crazy. And then um, if you know where to look, you can actually see the, the CrowdOx funding as well. The what is amount that? Of, so CrowdOx is our pledge manager um, for picking all your orders and stuff after the Kickstarter. 
and because you're allowed to come in as a late backer, um, we gained even more late backers, people expanding their pledges. Because I think a big thing I raised was, okay, cool, we're doing all this stuff, but nobody can afford this. It's so much stuff. Um, but given that people had several months to get their orders in, you know, the amount of people that expanded their pledges. So you look at that, whatever the final number was on the Kickstarter page, it's much bigger than that now. Uh, so really cool to see how big it is. Um, of course, there's the part where like, yeah, it's it's much bigger than the, <laughs> the Robotech Tactics Kickstarter. Yeah, 2,586,421. And that's just what's on there. I don't know if that also increase yeah. but no that's just what people could scrounge up in 30 days there's okay. and there's then 11, more than that added after 11,277 backers and then the stretch goal here uh was the uh let me scroll down because it's it's a lot it's here. a long scroll oh my yeah. gosh we're not even it nope one i think it was two was it two million i think that's what hold on let me i think at two million no guts, no galaxy. I'm not saying there's any connection, but uh, um, yeah, no, 2.5. And that was the legendary Mech Warrior packs. Kel, Carlisle, Kerensky, and Pride. Uh, wow. Like, I didn't even. And then you could add. St yeah, I mean, for me, it's one of those where, again, uh, being a, a, a kid and a teenager growing up with this being like a huge part of your life and it sounds so funny but i mean it's true where people had like i don't know they grew up with skateboarding and this and that i grew up with reading battletech playing mech warrior and mech commander and like you know and so to see that come to back to life is is just again it's it's pretty freaking cool and mm -hmm. you know um yeah dude you're a part of history man <laughs> uh, thank you it's funny the just brought to mind when you're talking about you know childhood and stuff and the whole like being called out memes these days that one day my mom asked me is all you think about mechs and i was like wow she got me i do just think <laughs> about mechs <laughs> uh, so it's, it's funny but very eye-opening i'm like man i really do like BattleTech yeah as a, as a kid yeah mech porn did I remember the first mm -hmm. time I started using that term and now it's like just it's just <laughs> common knowledge now. My wife was like, What did you just say? And I'm like, Mech porn. It's like, oh my yep. gosh, like you I'm like, what? Man likes what a man likes, you know? What can he saying? Why are you judging? Um, all right, so obviously the Kickstarter, what what was that? I'm obviously you had already put in effort to, you know, the images of like the the box set and stuff that was already there executioner puma all those like you'd already done a lot but was it one of those where it was like oh this is happening so you know like here's initial sketches like what was the time frame of like turning around because like i feel like it was like we had these designs but or were they already hashed out and you guys are pretty confident in the end result we definitely had mm say two-thirds of wave one ready to go going into the kickstarter maybe less than that could have been half uh because we went in like we'd just gotten an eight 
mech box and a two mech box out. So I'm like, all right, let's go for like, let's get 12 more mechs added to the roster. And then from above, they're like, okay, 12, but let's also be ready to add another 12. I'm like, oh, 24. That's, that's kind of ridiculous. Um, but I guess we could do that. And then like I said, it turned into a hundred. I believe <laughs> the, the Kickstarter count is 99 miniatures. Um, so once it started going off the rails there and management wanted to just roll with it, because I think it's a perfectly valid choice to just tell your backers like, okay, this has been a good run. It's just going to be, you know, profit from here on out. Uh, but they wanted to keep adding more stuff. So it's not so much, you know, you don't want to burn your artists out. So I didn't really ask my artists to work faster, but I did definitely immediately go into recruiting more people and making sure that our pipeline was as efficient as possible. Cause that's like, aside from putting my, my personal design work into Battletech, uh, a really big thing I've done for Catalyst is just uh, redesign the way that they push a mech through production. So instead of, like you said, the line art is king is how it used to be. Um, and the line art is still king, but it used to be that's what came first. So you say to an artist, okay, we want this mech, deliver line art. And there would be some, the potential for concept sketches before that line art happens. But for the most part, it was just a race to get the line art done. Whereas now it's, let's have a very compartmentalized, deliberate phase where we just sketch. And so let's sketch a mech and make it look good there before we have the artist distracted with clean lines or anything like that. Um, and then knowing that we're going to do 3D models of these anyway, um, and we talked about animation methods where it's more effective to do 3D than make it look like 2D, it's more effective for us to go from the sketch straight to our 3D model for the miniature. And then in 3D, we just put a line art shader on it and pump it out. And the, a line artist still needs to do a lot of handwork on it. And I actually prefer that because that's what makes it look traditional instead of just like a 3D render. Um, but they don't have to worry about perspective, about messing up their proportions. Uh, they can even have 3D like prep their, their cell shading for them. Um, which I think cuts the line art production time in half, if not more. Um, so that was me flipping things all around. And now we've got just way better assets and reference and accuracy. So whenever we go to, like, somebody has to do a book cover, you know, color illustration, they're not going by line art and trying to match the accuracy of that. We can send them the mech in 3D in whatever pose they want and they can just paint over it. And so that's what Marco Mazzoni and Alex Iglesias have been doing. I guess uh, Spooky as well. Mm -hmm. A few other guys. They can just use our 3D models and go from there instead of having to sweat about if they screwed up the mech or not. Yeah. And it's funny enough, yeah, like Spooky was probably one of the first outside of you that I saw doing obviously fan art, but you could tell he was basically taking the models from MWO, mm -hmm. you know, staging them in a pose and then doing his paint over. 
um, which I thought always looked pretty damn awesome. Um, so were you, did you do all of the like designs or were, is it you and like uh, two other people? Like, like what we saw for sketches of like the, the Timby and stuff like that. Are you doing that? Or are you just the one who basically says, okay, out of these, yes, we'll do this one. I like the direction. Go with that. Yeah, it's a, it's a mishmash. I do probably 80% of the designs, um, but as I can pump those out pretty efficiently when that's all I have to do, but I need to run a team. Uh, so I def, and I, I want, um, I want variety in the art a little bit. I'm pushing an aesthetic that we have to follow, but I know that I could very easily fall into the same trap that MechWare Online has and like no fault to Alex Iglesias. I think just when you're stuck in a mode for years, um, you, you kind of drive towards an end game. Um, I, I call it the final destination. Uh, if, if you're always pushing for in a certain direction of quality, you're just kind of boxing yourself in. So I want other artists to be designing alongside me, uh, not only to get their variety in, but also to train them up in this new style. And because there's no better time than when we need to do a hundred designs than to get other people learning how to do it. Um, so I've got guys like Bishop Steiner. He's really popular with the Mech Warrior crowd. Herbies. Uh, yep. Yep. I, Lamb, I knew Herbies, when, Jesus. The, what are we I knew when the Herby was on that Kickstarter. It's like, that's Bishop's. He gets that. <laughs> no questions. Nobody can argue me on that. Bishop gets to do the Herby. And he did a great job on it. It's I, I think you can argue, but I think best or one of the best Herbies we've had. I mean, if there's um, such a thing, yeah, maybe, you know. Yep. We've got Harry Kaleo. He did a bunch of, a bunch of designs for Wave 1 and uh, especially early Wave 2 stuff. And Alan Blackwell, uh, yes. he's done a few designs. Um, even Dale. Dale's done a few. Uh, he usually does models. Essentially, if I have a 3D modeler and they've got some design skills and they want to cut their teeth on this a bit i think it's you know give them a chance um yeah so i try to i, I want some variety in there but ultimately it just ends up with me doing most of them because uh, i can do them quickly and you know we don't have to do the whole critique phase between me and the other artist because it's just me <laughs> yeah so um, obviously we were only talking about mechs here um is there any plans on taking this revitalize of you know the artwork to what mech warriors look like what tanks look like apcs you know stuff like that is that is mm -hmm. that something that you know if you want if, say you're like uh, i don't know the, the, you you want more of like a tank division are those assets going to be getting an update as well i think that's probably inevitable um the something i want to do i think on tabletop 90 percent of the time or more you just it's just mech combat and we got to be fair to that but what percentage of that is people that don't play combined arms again because the miniatures don't look good um i do think innately battletech is more fun playing with just the focus is on the mechs and that's fair um but i would like to see 
a pack of tanks, um, a pack of battle armor. I don't know about air assets because that's a true rarity. Um, I've yeah, never aerospace. Seen it's it's the rules are complicated. Yeah, uh, it, it slows things down, especially because uh, both players need to understand what's happening. You generally want to avoid, you know, just trusting that your opponent is playing their units correctly uh, without knowing how it works. So, yeah, people will often ask, like, why aren't we pushing aerospace more? Uh, aerospace is cool. Yeah, it's cool, but it's really it's not Niche. great for the game, in my yeah. opinion. Well, then, uh, just realistic like people want lambs and yeah. nah. Well, realistically, too, from a business standpoint, if, if it doesn't sell well, like you could be like, well, okay, can we do something about that, and then put feelers out there? But it's there's no guarantee. I mean, like if if Aerotech, even like the Aerotech, like uh, the big battles and stuff like that. I mean. Yeah, they've done it in the past, but that doesn't mean it was successful or, or you know, it doesn't mean it'd be mm -hmm. successful now, too. So, yeah. Yeah, I think definitely a big focus on mechs, but I would like to see kind of a tank pack that has, you know, all the the really popular tanks that can help you fill out your combined arms. Battle armor along the way. I mean, we did the elementals in this Kickstarter. Might Which be a good great. idea for us to just throw one in every once in a while. Um, I think a dropship pack would be cool for map pieces, you know, objective markers. Yeah. Because um, dropships, you know, those, you know, are a really big part of Battletech. It's how you get your armies around. They're always there. They're involved in every battle. Um, so I think a lot of people would love to put little dropship markers on their maps. That's just... You know, there are definitely options from Ironwind, but they're limited and some of them are quite old as well. Yeah. Well, and I think that gets into as well, if you're playing the tabletop, if you do add vehicles and you do add infantry, like, are they, are they, what do they add to the experience? And I feel like not, do they have, are they cool? Do they look cool? And I think there's validity for that too, but just, well, the mechs can do everything. Well, why do I care about the tanks? What about the gameplay? Do they add any functionality? Do they add any dynamic point to that? And I feel like then that could be argued. Yeah, then, you know, it's sort of like, I guess, in other games too, when you've got like, you know, your main characters, but hey, this is a unique class and this guy can heal and stuff like that. I think if you have to almost be creative with vehicles in that sense of like, you know, like, hey, if you have this around, then maybe, I don't know, again, it has a unique attribute mm -hmm. that it adds to the, the experience. And so then you can definitely incorporate those things in, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, man, I, you know, I've, and, I, and, I've, and I've wondered this, uh, and I've, I think I may have asked you as well, like, we have Megamech out there, and Megamech, a lot of people enjoy it. I've always just been surprised that we haven't, and I think maybe that's what Tactics was made. They were trying to do two things. They were trying to make a turn-based, basically the tabletop, how it is, in a Lance configuration, but then they were doing this weird card collection thing. Uh, and again, I feel like they didn't know their audience at all. I, I think that's what you were sort of hinting at, is like, they didn't know yeah. who they were. It's like, guys, what are you... Kids aren't playing your game. It's 30, 40 yeah, years old. A lot of some franchises you can kind of just jump developers into, and I think others the fan base is 
let's just be honest, the fan base is pickier and harder to work with. And you really have to go in with, you know, completely ready to take it on. And Battletech is definitely one of those settings. And yeah, I think just those developers, you know, visually, they didn't know what they're getting into. And maybe with the cards, there's that aspect of developers going in. And again, if this is like a PG, uh, IGP sanctioned thing, uh, is did they go in with the card method like, okay, first, what do we, how do we monetize this game? Yeah. I think if you go into a game and your first idea is how do we like, make them make money money out of it you're you're shooting yourself in the foot yeah yeah speaking of card game man like that's i'll tell you as a fan i that's one thing i wish there was an online Uh, i'm not like and because that would be digital that would be a game that would be something like that idea i mean (laughs) i obviously i understand the can just basically use the rules uh that the original actually my cards are right over there on a, um, a bench but like um, they would have to come up with some new. I don't know how popular it would be, but just from a I don't, sort of like Gwent, you know, I don't know. Do they add it in a MechWarrior game? Do we add it to Mech Five, and it's just this fun little side thing, and it turns in? I don't know, but mm-hmm. uh, I just feel like mobile, especially with how mobile games are and stuff like that. Um, have you guys thought yeah, about uh, doing like mobile apps of some sort? I don't. I don't know if they've thought about that, and I. I don't know if that is something Catalyst doesn't even think about because it's digital. Um, that could be all Microsoft Realm. Yeah, it would be. It uh, but it's yeah. certainly, yeah, like card games are popular. We got Hearthstone and many others. It's a way to take a, a proven type of game, but then take out, like a lot of games translate well to digital because you know the player doesn't have to do the math in their head anymore. Yeah. So... You know, this like Hearthstone got a lot of players that wouldn't play Magic to play a card game because it's more visual and flashy. And, you know, the development costs aren't crazy because you just, you got you to do a lot of illustrations, but it doesn't go too much further than that. You, know, you have to you have good have to... designers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, between it's either uh, Piranha's models or our models, like we're getting this big library of, assets where whoever does it yeah they will have uh, a lot easier of a time doing all those mech illustrations uh should they choose to do it so like yeah i think a uh digital mech card battletech card game would be pretty sweet yeah i, just, yeah, I don't know if that would be a catalyst thing certainly yeah. we could do a physical card game but so niche it's pretty a pretty big gamble yeah and that that's the problem I have when playing games is I'm such a battle tech nerd. I'm just like I'm playing Darkest Dungeon. I'm like, dude, this would be a great battle tech game. Like, think about it. Like the idea that you got four mechs and that you got different abilities and one's a shield, you know, you got a centurion with a shield up front, you know what? Like all those type of things. Obviously you get into weird stuff because you don't have like heals or whatever. But that the idea that you've got this like dungeon crawler, right? Um I just that's you know like i don't know man i i just i always picture of just all these different genres and like battletech could totally fill them like it's it's an amazing mm-hmm. universe that has so much depth and um do you do you think as far as uh aesthetics go i mean obviously we're we're 
none of the artwork is, uh, I guess, super realistic as far as like, you're not trying to capture like, you know, like textures and stuff and reality and stuff like that. But like, if you could picture, what would that look like to you? Like in a movie sense, like what would you go for? Like if you yeah, it's always a, a fun idea. I feel like uh, the MechWarrior 4 trailers, MechWarrior 4 Vengeance was such an awesome intro. Uh, like it definitely shows the you can do it realism. Um, definitely helps that our all our new redesigned mechs on both sides of the field are much more, you know, they would work a lot better in a, a physical state. Um, but on the flip side, constantly seeing the discussion, why doesn't Battletech have a movie? Why doesn't oh, Battletech yeah. have a, a live action Game of Thrones? I'm like, nobody's going to make that. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a... I, uh... I could foresee the like lower investment, like, um, you know, there's a lot of 3D anime coming out uh, these days. And even, you know, just Clone Wars type stuff like Battletech yeah. could do that. But I, I like to just not think about live action yeah. Battletech because I think it's so uh, far-fetched of a, a business decision that yeah. nobody has to be. would be making that. Yeah, it has to be a fan project of just like... And there's, funny enough, there's someone on Twitter. I'm not going to name any names, but we've been uh, retweeting a few of their things. They're... I from my I don't know all the details yet, but from my understanding is uh they're using like MWO Mech 5 assets to create a MWO Mech 5 inspired animation, uh, which I think would be really cool. So they're not trying to be like an animated series or whatever. It's just like a fan, you know, fandom stuff. Mm -hmm. Um and I've always sort of felt like that's that's where the realm is, right? I mean, we've got like the all systems uh, you know. Also, systems nominal cartoons mm -hmm. um, that are fantastic. Which every single time I play them and watch them, I have them on my "Be Right Back" screen. So it's like all of them combined, and yeah. it's so funny because, it, except for like the first like two, which have to do with the cicada, the rest are what is going on in MWO and the history there. And so like, you'll see the Arctic cheetah get caught up in the tree and it can't move. It's because that's how it used to be, or like you know, the bunny hopping Timberwolf because that's what used to happen, right? Or, I mean, all these type of things. Uh, <laughs> the Highlander goes to jump jet and just barely hovers, right? <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like fans, um, there's a lot of cool tools, but one of the things, I, you know, is like, yeah, that all sounds good. It's just so much work. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, um, but the cool thing is, um, speaking of like, it, there are platforms out there, I think for helping uh teams and artists potentially achieve those goals maybe not directly as far as like hey make us you know battletech cartoons or whatever but like hey what if those guys are creating fan art and then you're supporting them in their endeavors not necessarily what they pump out and mm -hmm. could just so happen to be like battletech stuff too and again i'm not a lawyer i'm just saying like there are yep. stuff like patreon and um that's probably the number one out there yep. that knows but like i mean biased but patreon is amazing right <laughs> i yeah. think more more artists need to move towards patreon it's it's uh really different um but i i think a lot of artists are afraid to move for it either they think it's a lack of dignity you know begging for money uh but you know as a youtuber and anyone that watches youtube you eventually figure out like 
there's nothing wrong with trying to get yours and ask asking for it. Yep. Um, so a lot of people are willing to pitch in, but yeah, a lot of things that weren't possible for creatives to do before you can now do because everybody wants it. It's just, where does the money come from? And now you got this platform where you just, everybody can give a couple bucks and you get the stuff you want to see. Um, yeah. I think money is just one of those weird things people are uncomfortable talking about. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know why it should be. I, I heard a quote recently. It said, if you don't want to be concerned about money, you should be good at money. And that makes total sense, right? If if you <laughs> like, but the idea that um, in YouTube, man, like you have to have so many views. Like if you were to just like to just make a living off of YouTube and like that's what pays your bills. Like the reality of it is, is you need in the millions per month views, right? Yep. Like millions like let's just say you, like average salary in america i don't know what that is but like you would need millions of views and so the reality of it is is like if you create content on youtube but your niche i mean all you're doing is you're basically saying hey if you want to support me you like what i'm doing here hey go check out my patreon i don't think there's anything crazy and i'm jealous because you have something that i don't you have drawing skills and i don't have <laughs> shit so like, that's one thing that you guys have an advantage over that, like you can offer like, Hey, I'll, you know, if you do this pledge level, I'll draw this or like, Hey, you get access to, you know, sketches or you get access to, I mean, you name it, you can pretty much do it. Whereas like a content creator, like that's something like I struggle with, which is, uh, you know, like, well, what can I do? Well, then I have to be creative. I have to be realistic, you know, and you know, um, you've got a patron and you still take commissions and, and we'll have that link down below, by the way. Um, do you have any details that you want to share about that as far as like what people can expect there so forth and so on? Yeah, it, it used to be my Patreon was my, uh, protectorate wars stuff. Um, which yeah, definitely that helped me continue on my production of stuff there course I'd, i want to get back to that someday but nowadays it's battletech all day every day um and so currently if you go to my patreon page what you can expect is to see uh all the stuff that the kickstarter page posts for updates but sooner and it's not so much that catalyst is holding things back to have this exclusive paywall zone it's just that if I finish something and it's approved, like it's really easy for me to put it on Patreon. Whereas on Kickstarter, they've got to send it to whoever is managing their posts there and they want to collect them into nice little batches. And um, so basically, if you want to see the bleeding edge of what is happening uh, with Battletech mech art, uh, my Patreon is the place to see it. So you'll see all of our design sketches whenever they're ready and you'll see our 3d models when they're ready uh often you'll see like turnaround renders uh that you might not see on the kickstarter sometimes i'll post like special development stuff that again you won't see elsewhere and i always try to like describe the thought processes on the designs we went through so you can get you know digging a little deeper on that information uh, but I always like to stress that and how I think most people should run their Patreons is 
don't go there looking for exclusive content. Um, it's if you like my work or the work that my team is doing and you want to support that, then go there and subscribe. Um, currently, you just pledge two bucks and you can see everything. Um, yeah, it's about supporting the artist uh, rather than finding a bunch of exclusive stuff. But nonetheless, you will find uh, exclusive stuff or kind of timed exclusives. Gotcha. And now, do you do, have you ever thought about doing like a time lapse where you're like, hey, I'm tackling this mech and you like, you're in Photoshop and you're doing your whole thing mm -hmm. and you can see it from start to finish. Have you ever done that? So when I did the initial flip around Kickstarter time of switching it to Battletech content, I did do some time lapses of line art that I've done. Um, and not so much like recorded video sped up. It's like a few iterated saves of the image and then it it's a GIF that flips through. Uh, I have started saving up progress iterations of some of my new sketch designs. So I need to compile those into GIFs. And yeah, so you'll get a similar thing to see time lapses of how I sweep through mech design. I don't think it's as exciting <laughs> to show, but definitely I know people enjoy that. So yes, you should expect to see some time lapses. We have uh, 3D turntable animations for some of our mechs coming out now. Yep, I saw those. Um, so yeah, those are that's the cool little extras. But part of it is every little extra thing like that. It does take a bit of time to put together, and sometimes the question is, should I be doing that or should I be designing another mech for the Kickstarter? Yeah. It's a balance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if someone like I, you mentioned Bishop. I remember early on Bishop um, doing line art and seeing it in MWO, uh, Merck's website and stuff like that. It, if, do you have any advice for someone that maybe is interested in, whether it's for Battletech or just in general? I mean, is it just one of those, like, just keep practicing just like every other, you know? like. Yeah, that's the thing is there's a lot of time, not much magic to it. It, it really is the more you draw, the better you'll get. Um, a lot of people ask, I think a good specific one is, all right, you want to get good at mechs. Like, how do you learn to draw mechs? Cause you want to draw people, you just draw people and landscapes, you draw landscapes. Um, but, and there's plenty of tropes around sci-fi, but how do you get into designing mechs without just copying some other franchise? And honestly, I think to start, you you kind of do just have to copy for a while. Um, and you build kind of visual library up in your brain of, you know, what what shape languages work good, which ones do you personally like is where you'll eventually head. And that's how you develop your own uh, mech style as an artist is you, you know, riff off your favorite mecha and eventually that all amalgamates into your own little thing so yeah similar the way i'm pushing battletech now is me taking all the the official art the video game art the the fan art that's come before me and just like mashing all my favorite parts together and that's what you see now gotcha okay well pretty straightforward just keep practicing and oh yeah lots of practice um and get yourself out there uh a lot of people are embarrassed by their artwork um 
or they are embarrassed by the idea of shilling for themselves. Like what, even when they're not asking for money, they don't want to ask for followers. They're afraid that they're posting too much, being afraid of posting your loose sketches. The truth is people want to see all of it. Like even your, even your terrible art, people probably want to see it. Um, get it out there because, you know, for, especially for illustrators these days, it's, it's going freelance, it's all online, it's digital. Definitely if you're a new artist and you're not working digitally yet, uh, as lame as it might sound, you got to go digital, uh, get a Wacom tablet and just get at it. Um, but getting work requires being seen and it's all a statistics game. So the more you're out there, uh, the more likely you are that that one client that wants exactly what you do, you know, they're not going to employ you if they don't know you exist. So get posting, even if you don't think you're good enough yet, like at all, it's a grind. You got to grind your way up that, yeah. that totem pole. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, especially the digital. I mean, everything's digital. I mean, I can understand like you wanting to learn right and so you can do it not you know like on pen and paper and all i get mm -hmm. i get that right and same thing with like i'm sure in the grand scheme of things you know you're gonna even in your case i mean even if you're like for instance even that asteroid uh moonscape sorry i keep looking over to my right you can't mm -hmm. see me but like the moonscape thing it's a moonscape so like how do you come up with terrain and features and stuff like that you will have to learn those other aspects but yeah i mean i think when i was a kid i i basically traced uh a lot of like BattleTech stuff that's what i did mm -hmm. right and yeah so i i can see where you're going but um um all right, man. Well, hey, we're almost we've been going nonstop. I mean, like I said, I feel like uh, I just wanted to, you know, I've known you for years. Uh, I love your artwork. You guys have been doing a fantastic job on the Kickstarter, uh, the artwork, the updates that are coming out. Um, you know, it's exciting to see where Battletech, not only the tabletop, but like just where the universe is going and, you know, obviously new novels and TROs and rule books and stuff like that. Um, so I just wanted you on here because, like I said, I feel like you're a big part of the community. And uh, on one sense, uh, you know, you got flying debris got sucked up by PGI. Uh, you were you were out there, and then you you got sucked up by you know Catalyst. And uh, but the cool thing is you're you're still able to to do some of your own stuff as well. Um, Spooky is out there. I know he's got his own uh, DeviantArt as well. I'm not familiar with, um, uh, you mentioned two other names. I'm not as familiar. Um, I do know uh, Bishop as well. Um, mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool seeing those artists uh, get recognition, get used um, for official work as well. Um, so yeah, thank you, man. You, you guys are doing, yep. keep kicking ass. And it's good to see, uh, again, um, the new artwork some of them i'm like mm, like that marauder 2c man the the i don't know man it's def the... it's different it's different <laughs> i really like that one yeah uh, it's different but it's it's straight vmi um some of those have been really fun just yeah. uh the more obscure ones either that were never Western official or sure. that were very quickly swatted down in lawsuits. So yeah, that Marauder 2C, um, I liked the VMI one and I just wanted it straight 
translated. Yeah. Another one is the stalker. You've seen that stalker. Yep. Yeah. So that one, its whole nose is the the Japanese BattleTech stalker. Yeah. Like not the VMI stuff, like the wacky, full on Japanese anime looking BattleTech. Um, some of those, like, yeah, they don't fit in, but they look really cool. And that stalker nose, I wanted it, so it's it's now our Western official nose. Yeah. Well, like I said, I've been enjoying it. I know. I think some of our biggest like tweets and then on Facebook have been when I've been po- like, I remember I did, <laughs> I was like, really the only mech that really matters. And I did the Timberwolf one and that was a big post. I mean, like so many people, um, but it's so funny. Cause like I'll post something and be like, hold on, what is this? And I'm like, it's the Kickstarter. They're like, I had no idea. And there's the million dollar question. How do you get someone that is in touch or has had been in touch with the BattleTech universe, but for whatever real real life job, whatever they they're no longer there. And I think a big part, like you're correct, I think a big part of it was the ten years of just just nothing. Um, and I think that obviously played a huge role in a lot of people going away. I know it. I know it did for me. The only reason I like, I guess I was fortunate where I discovered mechroy living legends back then and then i got mm-hmm. involved with that and that sort of helped me well one brick away from my addiction to eve um <laughs> and uh yeah so uh man but uh you know what yeah if you could picture if you could snap your fingers what would be a game a battle what would a perfect battle tech game be to you and battle tech mm-hmm. all encompassing would that be? I would commander? really like to see. Now, this could be single player, but the the ultimate version would be an MMO. But you take the concept of a four X game, you could say kind of like Eve, and just everybody's playing everything. So you've got people got to fly around the jump ships, and then you got to fly down your drop ship, and it's just a massive MMO. I think a BattleTech MMO would be cool. At the same time, uh, we now know even a regular FPS, you have to have population to make those work. So uh, my golden Battletech game would fall flat on its face unless you had (laughs) a massive player base or an enormous amount of AI uh, inserted in. But I would really like to see a giant combined arms. Like at the end of the day, you're, you're playing Mech Warrior down on the ground. Uh, right. But combined arms in the air, in space, uh, logistics, it'd be sweet. It's never yeah. going to happen. <laughs> we can dream. You never know. Modern. We'll dream for sure. That's how we get places. All right. Well, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for being on the, the podcast. I'll have your your uh, Twitter and your patron information down below uh, for people that uh, would like to follow you and or check out your patron as well. And like I said, I'd highly recommend it, guys. Um, Keep up the good work, and I'm sure we'll talk very soon. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Phil. And I'm glad you took off the cat ears. I think that worked out. <laughs> yes. Those aren't his headphones, by the way. Those are his no, girlfriend's. Uh, or I'm using these for the mic, yeah. yeah, uh, f- yeah. Friend, yeah. Friend, yeah. Whatever you want to. Yeah, sure, bro. Sure. <laughs> yeah, she won't watch this, I'm sure. That'll be, well, it'll, maybe it'll be she fun. will. Yeah. She'll be no. mad that the cat ears aren't, aren't yeah. here. Yeah, well, I'm glad they weren't. So, 
All right, man. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right, guys, that is another episode down with Anthony Scroggins, a.k.a. Shimmering Sword. He's a fantastic guy. Uh, love his artwork. And of course, you can see all of that on the Kickstarter. Uh, obviously, there's other artists as well. And I uh, just want to say thank you again for being on it. Um, it's great to talk and so much in, you know, that we have familiar, uh, you know, as far as growing up and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so there is that. We do have another podcast coming up, and I will let you guys know as soon as that goes live. But if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to click that like and subscribe button. Check out that uh, bell notification for YouTube as well. I'll have all the links down below, but if you guys would like to catch me live, I stream every single Monday through Friday on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash NGNGTV. I as well have a Patreon, so if you'd like to support me directly and support my Hobbit ways... And of course, my journey and my passion here, because really that's what it is. Uh, you guys support my passion in creating uh, this content, whether it's interviews with artists or uh, developers. Uh, just want to say thank you. So consider that. And of course, uh, if you want to check out our merchandise store, again, have a link down below. We have international, international shipping uh, as well. And we have an affiliate link for Amazon. So if you're going to buy anything, maybe upgrade your PC. Uh, we've got Mother's Day coming up, anything, maybe your kid's birthday. If you just click through that uh, link, we get kickbacks when you guys buy stuff. So just want to say thank you again, guys. Have a great day. I'll see you on the next episode. Until next time.